Last time we said that the official title of the retreat, Divine Love is Real, is inaccurate. That it's far more accurate to say Divine Love is all that's real. But even that is inaccurate. Now we have to go deeper. It's still off the mark by two notches, not just one. Divine love is the tertiary emergence. It's in third place of Nirguna Brahman from the perspective of a seeker of Brahman who cannot comprehend Brahman except as Saguna Brahman. In other words, Brahman as conceptualized Satchitananda. The concept is inaccurate. It's only the beginning of an understanding of the infinite being of Brahman. But that being cannot be understood until you have realized Brahman. No seeker can grasp what is sought until it is found. But the divine love, which is an even fourth level descent from the bliss that the perceiver in the illusion of Maya feels the love of God, assuming they have love for God, is only a tiny hint of the real bliss. But that bliss or divine love is dependent on the previous emergence of chit, which is intelligence, as we said, the infinite intelligence of Brahman. By the seeker of Brahman, to the extent one has risen to the higher chakras, this will be perceived and recognized and received as wisdom. The Madhyamaka school of Buddhism refers to it as Pragya Paramita, the wisdom of the other shore. The other shore meaning non-duality. Madhyamaka is the central fountain of wisdom in the Buddhist tradition. There are other traditions, Theravada, Yogacara, Zen, etc. But the real source of the wisdom is from the Madhyamaka, the middle way. That's not to say that the others don't also have their own wisdom but it is not as fully elaborated and as profoundly expressed as the Madhyamaka. But what this means is that love only emerges after law. Wisdom is perceived as law, cosmic law, divine order. 
And it is only after one has put one's own life and one's mind under that law, successfully, that love can emerge. And that is why all who come here to become sadhaks, disciples, who are true seekers, will very happily take the vows of the yoga tradition, the yamas and niyamas. They are equivalent to the Eightfold Path of Buddhism, and they're equivalent but much more profoundly expressed as the Ten Commandments. They're in every tradition. But in most other traditions, those commandments and that Eightfold Path is not truly followed any longer. It's only given lip service to. The vows must be followed religiously in the true sense, rigorously. One must never violate them, not even in one's mind, or one's mind will have become defiled and will no longer be a receptacle for divine love or bliss. But it's easy to say, I take the vows, and then still break them every five minutes because you don't have the willpower to keep them. And so there's no point in taking them and then just feeling guilty and depressed all day that you're a failure. And therefore, I never encourage anyone or even allow them to take the vows in any official way until they are prepared to do so. But the vows can only be kept if you have the first true emergence of the Supreme Presence, which is Sat. Now before we define Sat as silent awareness, that's not actually accurate either. It's much more accurate to say that Sat is the power of silence. Please underline that word, power. You cannot simply choose to be silent if you do not have the power of silence. But the power of silence only belongs to Brahman itself. So one who is in the state of an imaginary ego is powerless. We have studied that here for years. You're unconscious, your sensor has all the power. You can't let it go as long as you fall under the illusion of the ego, of the ego which is separate from Brahman. Then you are not sat, you are asat. And the ego, as we know, is unloving and anti-loving and anti-silence. And so, one is in a bind, and that bind will continue so long as one believes in the ego. So long as one does not have faith in one's true nature. This is what must be transformed, this paradigm shift. Into the recognition that the power that keeps you alive, the power that enables you to think at all, to do anything at all, or think you're the doer, comes from Sat. We owe everything to Sat. 
And therefore the command that's in the Bible of thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, etc., is not said for nothing or arbitrarily. Because if you do not love the power of life, the power of consciousness, it gets taken away. Whereas if you choose to live in love, and love being union at its highest level of consummation, then the sat is conferred, and the sat by itself destroys the asat in the same way that a candle destroys the darkness in a dark room. It doesn't really destroy anything because the asat didn't exist in the first place, but the illusion is dispelled. There is no darkness, there is no lack, there is no impotence in Brahman. The power of silence is not the only power of sat, but it's the first one that must be claimed in order to get any of the others. But yogis through the centuries have proven that an infinity of other powers come along with the sat. <clears throat> Yogis have shown they have the power to not eat. They can sit in bonfires without getting burned. The Tibetan yogis can sit in the snow and the peaks of the Himalayas with wet sheets on and not get hypothermia and dry the sheets with the power of sat. They can be buried alive for long periods and not have to breathe. They can do extraordinary things. Why is a yogi able to do that? Because they have claimed the power of sat. And until we have claimed that power, we're not yogis. We're certainly not sat yogis. And the ego mind will lie to you and tell you, this is too difficult. I can't do this. This is for superhumans. And make you believe you're not a superhuman. But you are. And it's only when that is realized that the intelligence is conferred and then the bliss. And then that is bestowed as divine love to all beings. And then one is a Buddha and a Bodhisattva, a Jivan Mukta. But it all begins with the power of a silent mind. It has chased away all the conceptual illusions and has destroyed the sensor, purified what had been unconscious, and is in full awareness of your infinite being. And when we abide as sat, all other powers that we need will be given to us. It will emerge from the sod itself.
we shouldn't beg for them or seek them because then we are no longer the sat, we're seekers of sat. We need to be in the state of contentment and peace. Silence is peace. Never be confused, never doubt, never lose your faith, never fall into maya and pretend to yourself you can't get out. Never entertain it for a moment. These vows are necessary. They weren't given through the ages because they wanted to make people hate their lives or become nihilists or live in some austerity that's unnecessary. It's not about self-flagellations as the Christian perversion of tapas became. It's not about self-condemnation. It's about elimination of the very idea of an individual self through union with God. Not to believe that can't happen till you die or until the apocalypse and you're raised from the dead or whatever other myths. All of those myths are false. They're for Sunday school children, they're not for yogis. Don't believe any myths, but especially not the private myths of the ego. And the ego always invents concepts to project whatever is good happening in it and then loses its own power. So for example, not to pick on Adriana, but when she felt happiness the other day, that happiness is real. It's part of the sat. It's the ananda part of the sat that's given to you. But then you project it into some imaginary inner child. Now, you've probably participated in surgery as a medical student, right? Have you ever cut open any adult body other than a pregnant woman and found an inner child? Have you? Yeah, have you? You've done... Uh, yeah, you've done autopsies. Have you ever found an inner child? A child? Yeah. In the uterus? No, not in the, anywhere. If it's not a pregnant woman, have you found a child in an adult body? <laughs> so don't say that you're being a child. That's a projection. It's a concept. It's not the child. It's you. But you are not a child and you're not an adult. You are Sat. You're Atman. You're God. It's that realization of God-consciousness that comes through the silencing of the mind that brings happiness. Not some belief in an imaginary child. These are psychological concepts that are illusory. Developed in the 20th century only, this inner child concept did not come before that. When Christ said to become as a little child, what he meant was purity and innocence. Children today don't have that anymore. It's been lost. So we know it doesn't pertain to the child. Children are not innately good and pure and happy. Most of them today are miserable. And people lose their childhoods before they're three years old. They're told to be adults. So don't project it on any concept. Your happiness belongs to you, the self. 
And the self is really ajata. It's your unborn self that feels the happiness. After birth, it's misery. Before birth, that's when the bliss is, and that's the wonderment that you return to. But don't just return to it for moments of meditation. Realize, you are delight, joy, happiness. That's your nature. It's when we forget that and fall into the asat that it becomes a rare glimpse rather than our constant experience. So all the concepts of modern psychology are incorrect. And they only function to keep psychologists in business. And they keep you dependent then on some outside expert to tell you who you are. Find out who you are from within. Realize the sat. And be free of the need for any confirmation of any other. Because most of the time you'll only get a false confirmation that's a collusion anyway with someone else's fantasies about you. Be free. There is no other. And so when we have this power of sat, the intelligence of chit will be given, the pure awareness that is the innocence that we think belongs to the child, that is the eternal self. And from that comes the bliss of love. If we put everything in the correct order and we focus perseveringly on not settling for the noise in the mind, I don't care about the noise of the organism or the neighborhood. When there's no noise in the mind, there will be no disturbance or distraction. But don't be seduced by the images. These were the three temptations of the Buddha. The first were sexual images that seduced him, or tried to seduce him, which he didn't fall into. He didn't fall into chakra two. He saw through it and he said no. And chakra two was sublimated to chakra six. It never emerged again, it was dead. Because he was awakened to his true self and in union with his Buddha nature, which is the Sat. And then he was tempted by chakra three, by Mara, by the desire to get angry at things, to be frustrated, to be unhappy, or to hate himself because it was taking so long to become a Buddha. To hate the fallen world that he had to escape from in order to find his Buddhahood. He could have, but he didn't. He didn't create any concepts to justify anger. And so the anger rose and became the chakra five wisdom. And then the booty opened to the full chit. And the awakening became the wisdom of the Buddha. 
And then the final temptation we know was dharma. Again, that's the demand of the other. To him specifically, it was sit on the throne, go back, take care of your wife, you have a newborn kid, what are you doing out in the woods here? But what he was doing out in the woods, as we are doing here in Arunachala, is far more important than anything we could do in San Jose. If we're going to live in San Jose in delusion, we're not practicing our profession. Our profession has to be based on truth and love. And if it's not, you're wasting your own time and everyone else's. So first claim the sat, and then if you want to go back to San Jose, go, but go as a spiritual teacher. If you want to go back to the States, go, but go as the sat, as the light to the world. Don't go back into the darkness and blow out your light. Live as the sat. And don't think you should live in Arunachala unless you are totally committed to live as the sat. We need people here who are alight, radiant, who will light the candles of others that have gone out, that have come here to be lit. Not to collude with their maya and add it, add to it with our own. So we have to make a decision in life. Who am I? What am I here for? And what am I waiting for? And get serious about it. The time is now. Before the apocalypse hits, don't think it's far away. Because when it hits the fan, it's too late. Your ego will be in anxiety and despair and devastation and pain and trying to find a refuge to run to. And it may be too late to even get to one. So it's a word to the wise. When the chit is open, you will know how to navigate your way through life and where you should be, and you'll have the power to make the decision to be there and not believe any illusions that tell you no. I can't do that, I can't leave the biological family, or I can't leave the job, even though money has become worthless. Can't leave a life that is meaningless for one that is true. Don't buy any of those illusions. And then you'll live in divine love. But until you do that, you don't have the power of love. All the ego wants is to be loved, but it doesn't even want to be loved in a true way. It wants to be coddled, colluded with, given a breast to suck on, and not truly experience its real self and all the power and the majesty and the glory and the beauty of God. Can't happen. Claim the power, it's yours.
claim the love, infinite love is yours. But you can't give yourself the luxury in indulging in hatred or anger or fear or depression or obsession or any other illusion. Not even stress is allowed. Brahman does not stress. All stress is a function of the feeling of lack, frustration. Don't let that illusion out there have any impact on you or influence on your state of being. And it's very important that we not scapegoat anyone else for our unhappiness. Then you've really added a load of bad karma. Clean up your own dharmic diapers. <laughs> and especially not here at Aranachala. This place has to be one of absolute purity of heart. And that's why only true sadhaks can live here, where it won't be Aranachula. We owe it to Ramana. We owe it to Shiva. We owe it to the Self. And we all have the power to realize our godliness. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste.